It is morning huddle time. A sense of belonging in a company actually increases job performance by 56%. It's like a lot of times all of that 3D data is there. They've done the work. They've done the engineering. They've done the slopes. They've done all the 3D polylines are already in their file. There's just a huge disconnect between what they do and the builders right now. 13,000 available unfilled construction jobs in this country, 11 million available unfilled jobs overall in this country. One of the great culture things I see in construction is people just get it done. At the end of the day, we've built 100% of the building. There's no 80-20 rule. Think of the technology that has been that has been brought into existence in the last 60 years, and you think of the productivity gains that have, say, occurred in agriculture, which is up 1,750% our manufacturing, which is up 400%, and construction is flat to negative. This was always supposed to just be a six-episode mini-series. <laughs> Stacey, I want to remind you of that. Good morning. It is morning huddle time. Chad Prinky here, as always, with co-host, producer, uh, uh, extraordinary human, uh, Stacey Holzinger. Stacey, how are you this morning? I'm doing better. I haven't felt so extraordinary the last two months, but I'm getting there. I'm hoping to network maybe sometime this week and get out of my house. <laughs> because well, I I've, got to, I've got to imagine that you're at this point, you're pretty much immune to like everything that could be happening. Yeah. Right. So like, just think about it that way. You've built up immunity to everything that could potentially be thrown at you. People yeah. are getting COVID again. I know. Oh, all the time. Yeah. What's what is it? Is it a thing again? Are we should everybody be what should it we will be? always be a thing? But I think just not as intense as it was. I mean, they don't check the numbers anymore. So <laughs> is, it, is it is it OK if between just me and you, uh, I never wear a mask again? Is that cool with you? Sure. Just don't come <laughs> coughing near me. Yeah, fair enough. OK, <laughs> I'm just I'm just uh privately, I'm never going to do it again. But thankfully, this isn't being brought. Oh, it's being brought. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> cool. Uh, so I want to bring on uh, our guest for this week. Uh, our guest is a really good friend of uh, of the show, a good friend of mine personally for a long time, uh, and uh, and somebody that I think extremely highly of in the construction industry um, uh, is Brett Harton, who's the vice president of construction. Uh, for Folger Pratt. And there is a very, very small group of people, and I mean, we're talking small, who uh, actually know that Brett has been on the huddle before. It's the lost episode. <laughs> the lost. <laughs> we got that going for me. <laughs> yeah. You're, I mean, kinda, do you remember back in like the 90s when, when you'd have like a favorite band? My favorite band was Sublime. Okay. At that yeah, time, that was my, it was my jam. And I was like a, a hound for any like, like, you know, lost sublime. Right, you find that lost studio recording. Oh, my God. Never got and, published. You'd, and you'd show it off to your friends like, yeah, it's probably worth like 60 bucks. You know, <laughs> uh, found this. I'm the only one who had money it. back then. If you want to hear this song, you have to be in my truck. That's right. It's the only way you hear this song. Brett, thank you so much for being with us. No, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Looking forward yeah, to it. It's awesome to have you. So, uh, so you know, Brett is someone who uh, I think um, he's he's relatively young to be in the position oh, that he's man. in. All right, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm don't tell like, anymore. 
<laughs> Tell my kids. That. Um, but you know, it, it, Brett, how long how long have you been in the in the role that you're in at uh, at Folger Pratt? Just uh, six or seven years now, I think. Right, and so you were like 23 when you began. No, I'm joking. Uh, but, but, <laughs> plus a few. Uh, but Brett, you know, Brett achieved a, a, a serious uh, level of responsibility at a, um, again, a comp comparably young age in the industry. And there are some people who are kind of like that, that you can think of. I'm sure, you, you know, you, you know, that person who in their thirties became the, the president of the company or, or the vice president of construction or, you know, th those types of things. And, um, and over the years, uh, one of the things that I've found in our conversations, regardless of what the intent of the conversation was, is I find myself learning things from Brett. I find myself, um, you know, t taking things away that I'm like, and that's a, that's a really, really good leadership concept. And, um, and so I wanted to get to pull him into this conversation today where the conversation, it's really about developing future, future leaders in construction, because, I think if uh, other folks can put themselves or find themselves on a similar trajectory, uh, not only will the will they experience a lot of you know success in their career, but also uh, we, we will in the industry have have a um, uh, we'll start to solve what I think is a pretty significant leadership gap. So I hope we have a lot of awesome conversation on the chat today. Uh, Stacy, let's make it happen. Let's get, let's get some cool, uh, conversations rolling and bring some questions back here, uh, in the last five, 10 minutes. All right. Sounds good. All right. Awesome. So, uh, I'm going to jump in, uh, with, with you, Brett, on this question first, just for, for some background. Sure. Can you give us a little bit on your story? Like what, tell your story, what shaped you? Oh gosh. What, what um, you are today? Well, thank you for the kind words, Chad. Um, I, I have had, I've been at Folger Pratt for over 20 years now. I've had a ton of opportunity here. And the reason I was able to maybe take advantage of that opportunity wasn't necessarily so much because of me. We have really good opportunity, really good people, really good ownership here. So I need to give a lot of credit where it's due. So thank you for the kind words, but it's yeah. not me. Um, so who, what was it? Who, who am I? Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, tell us your story. Give us about. I, oh, so, so was it your, was it your, um, uh, you know, uh, small town Pennsylvania background that made sure. you a winner? Is that the deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, uh, I got you. So, I was born in northwestern Pennsylvania. That's why we share the same love of uh, the same football team, Chad. Oh, um, it's a very painful day to to feel that way. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So mother and father were both from there. My extended family is all from that part of the part of the state. At a very young age, though, my father decided he didn't want to be a letter carrier for the Postal Service in Erie, which I can't blame him. We moved to Florida. So I grew up in Florida. Um, and my family really brought a lot of that Western Pennsylvania outlook on life, hard work, family, you know, dedication with them to Florida. We kind of imported that down there. But I had all the benefits of growing up in the South as well. So I had this um, exposure to a lot of different ways of seeing the world, which was nice, very helpful. Um, but I had a middle class upbringing, right? Mother was a bank teller. Already talked about my father. Um, played sports growing up. Went to uh, went to college, paid my way through college. My first shot at college didn't go so well because I could get up to go to work, but I could never get up to go to class. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned some really good life lessons there. 
transferred, wound up finishing up school in Jacksonville. Um, and then along the way, you know, I worked at various jobs, did various things. And uh, long story short, wound up up here. Right. But um, if I look back at, at the people that really influenced me the most uh, in my personal life, it's, you know, a couple people come to mind. It's my mother, you know, telling me about love and sacrifice. My father, who was a stoic, but I don't think he really recognized it. Or maybe he was smart enough and he just never explained it to me. But he taught me about mental toughness. Right. Which is invaluable. Um, and then my two grandfathers really come to mind. Uh, my paternal grandfather, he was a World War II vet, fought on Iwo Jima. Told me about being physically tough, but also having the idea of establishing your priorities. What are your priorities in life? And then orienting how you live your life around those priorities. I didn't do a very good job of that, for example, in my formative years in college, my first, my first try at college, got my priorities out of whack, but that stuck with me. <laughs> and then uh, my maternal grandfather, he was legally blind. So I learned a lot from him about uh, adversity and overcoming adversity. Uh, but he also was really amazing at just talking to anybody. So I kind of picked up um, some of my extroversion traits from him. Um, so very thankful for those folks in my life. Later on in my life, you know, my wife and my kids obviously have had a huge impact on who I am today. Uh, you get married and then you change and then you have children. Both of those life events have a significant impact and change cause you to think about the world differently. And then professionally, I really need to thank a guy that hired me here at Folger Pratt. His name was Kevin McClary. Uh, Kevin, many of the folks on the call may know Kevin. Kevin really built our multifamily capabilities here at Folger Pratt. But he taught me so much about people and the business. I really, you know, debt of gratitude there. So um, I've been in the business 20, over 25 years now. So uh, had a lot of um, bumps in the road, but I've also met a lot of amazing people. We've built a lot of amazing things, uh, overcome some challenges as a team, and it's been a heck of a ride. So really enjoy awesome. it. Awesome. Great. That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic rundown. And I think, you know, you you as you described it there are so many people right and i'm sure that's even a part I'm, i i know that that's a partial list because we've talked about other oh, absolutely you can learn something from everybody you interact if you're just open to looking for and that's where i was going with that is that there's something there's something about the 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 folks i find in who who have uh, you know, who are in, who are successful people. I'll just put it that way. The, the, the more successful people have something uh, pretty consistently in common from, from what I've seen. And that is they, they view every situation, every person, every challenge, every benefit, everything that they experience as an opportunity. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that's definitely one of my, one of my takeaways that there's, I don't, as we talk about creating an environment where leaders can grow and thrive, which is where I really want to take this conversation. Sure. What one just sort of side note that, that I think we should all take away is maintaining that mindset of opportunity and growth and that things happen for you, not to you. Right. One of, that's a great point. One of the concepts we push here, uh, Brent Pratt of Folger Pratt said, I heard this from him early in my career. He said, Brett, in life, opportunity meets you at your level of preparation. That's a concept we push frequently um, 
through the team as part of our culture, but it's so true. It really speaks to that point. If you're willing to look for it and be prepared for it, there's opportunity everywhere. How, how I, I can think of personally about how many times I I've, I've uh, had to pause and be like, are you sure I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for this? Cause I don't feel like I am, but, yeah. but yeah. In, you know, in, in fact, you know, some people with wisdom know, you know, they, well, and there's more opportunity and challenges. I think personally, the, the okay. hard stuff is where the opportunity really lies. The scarier it is, the better the, the better you usually are on the other side. Yeah, there's something true. There's really something to that. So, so how do you create an environment for growth? Talk about talk about the the, the team that you're working with size wise today, and how do you create a, a an environment for growth? For sure. That? No, that's a great question. So, it, so I lead our Folger Pratt contracting team, which nests within the larger Folger Pratt enterprise. So, for context, Folger Pratt's a vertically integrated real estate investment company. That's a mouthful, but it's we are a developer builder manager is the simple way to say yep. it. We nest within that hierarchy within You're the, the construction. Builder part of that equation. I'm yep. sorry. You're the builder part of that. Correct. Equation. Correct. So our contracting team is 42 people. Yep. Um, we have somewhat of a smaller group, but we're a medium sized general contractor. Uh, we'll do our annual revenue will be between 100 and 200 million a year. And we'll, we'll vacillate depending on the starts that come out of our development company from anywhere from uh, three to four to eight to 10 active projects a year. Yep. And that varies just depending on the ebb and flow of the real estate cycle and what comes out of our, our uh, development group. But how do you, back to your question, how do you, how do we set up an environment where we can build people? Well, I think we talked about this a little bit. I think the most important thing you have to do is understand how you fit how your organization and how your place in your organization fits within the broader economy. I think you got to take a macro look first and then drill down. And then once you do that, then you can kind of build back up. Right. So I think about things as top down and then bottom up. So for us, we're really driven by capital in the, in the broader economy. What is capital going to do? Right. Where is that capital going to get deployed? A certain subsection of the broader economy takes capital invested in real estate. So that's that's how we get our deals. That's how our development company um, is able to generate income from the fees off those deals, but also long term um, income off of the the cash that these multifamily properties throw off. They're typically multifamily. Um, so then the capital comes in, gets deployed and then it gets to us. We have to build it. We have to actually create the product that creates that value. Right. So we, we're builders. So first and foremost, we, we have to understand kind of how we fit in. Now, for us, you know, our clients, my 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 our owners are right around the corner in our office. Right. We don't have third party owners. We don't have public owners. So that that develops a certain kind of mindset for how we have to approach the world. And then the other piece of the, the other side of the coin for our clients is our subcontractors, because we need our subcontractors to help us build effectively so we can create value and then generate a return on that capital that gets invested. So our people need to understand kind of that model and how we fit into that model. Because for us, you know, we're not a we're not a charitable organization at Folger Pratt Contracting. We have to survive on our own. We have to be profitable. But having said that, we can't we can't be overly profitable. We can't get greedy because if we get greedy and we put too much budget in a deal, then that's more capital our partners have to raise, right? That's more construction costs that squeezes the return. So there's this fine tuning we have to do 
um, on how we operate. We need to make sure that we get our subcontractors, uh, keep our subs happy. We want them to make money. They need to be profitable. We need to be profitable. We have to do all that in a package and a price point and a duration that makes sense for the real estate investment. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of who we are and what we do. So diving down a little further from that, you know, what are our priorities? Well, we have four strategic drivers, right, for our construction company. And this is starts to build a framework. And, and where I'm going with this, how do we build leaders within our group? It, it's it's about the framework. So that's the context I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Our drivers are, we, we need a culture of safety. We owe it to ourselves and those that work with us to be able to go home and see our families at night. So we got to be safe. Uh, if we're safe, then we can be effective and efficient in what we do. Those two, in, in, in my mind, are, are intertwined. If you have one, you don't necessarily have the other, but mm. you need both to be good, right? It's uh, if you mow your lawn, if I, I can be very efficient and mow my lawn and run behind the lawnmower like I did when I was 13, get it done in 15 minutes, but it looks like garbage. Or I could be very effective and take two hours to do it and get every blade of grass the way I want. You got to marry those two together, right? There's a sweet spot there. So you got to be effective and efficient. When we're effective and efficient, then we're producing quality and adding value, right? A quality product for us is one that gets delivered on time, is free of defects, uh, and can lease and can attract a tenant, whether it's a commercial product or it's a multifamily product or a condo. We haven't done condos in forever, but you get the picture. Yep. Uh, produce quality, add value. If we do all those things, then we're, we we become the builder of choice. Now, that's could sound like a bit of an oxymoron, builder of choice, because we're not out in the third party market. But the way we think about it is we want to be the builder of choice for our ownership group so that they continue to invest capital and resources and time and energy in us so that we're helping them achieve their broader goals. And that's, and that's, that's a real thing, you know, that you can't take that for granted. I can't, I can't tell you how many vertically integrated companies, and I've met a lot of them over the years mm -hmm. where I'll be talking to their CEO or you know, somebody on their, on their you know, development end. And they'll, they'll kind of, you know, look both ways and confide in me, like, you know, thinking about shutting down construction. You know, it just doesn't make sense for us. Like thinking we can mm -hmm. just this, just just go third party and say, and right. so being the builder of choice is really a thing. It's you important. Know, you you can't yeah, like I say, you can't take that for granted. It's got to be something that you're so good that they they can't imagine building without you. Right, right. From a managing risk, you know, keeping budget in line and producing quality, absolutely. And so from that framework, you know. When I came into my to my position, I, I was very fortunate. You know, I, I'm standing today on the shoulders of giants. There's been a lot of phenomenal people that have um, helped create Folger Pratt to what it is today, Folger Pratt Contracting. So I had a, I had I had a great starting point. I you know I feel a lot of ways I started on third base um, when I came into my role here. But when that did happen, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what type of operation we wanted to have. And what was really important for me and for, for our leadership within the construction group was we wanted teams that could act independently and think critically uh, within the framework that we established yep. um, without a lot of micromanagement. Just that's a personal preference of mine. Any time in my life where somebody's tried to micromanage me, I have this severe reaction to it. It's just I abhor it. Um, because in my mind, I always said, well, if you're paying me to do it, then I should be able to do it. Right. That's just me personally. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to build teams that could be independent. 
And in order for them to be independent, we had to do our job to set the framework, um, but also get people and attract people that can think critically and are motivated, right? So that's the framework on how we started to think about what our operation needed to be uh, nested within the hierarchy of all the way at the top, capital gets deployed. Um, and then from there, you you know, you, you go about, well, how do we build folks and give them opportunities to grow into these roles that we want and to, and to have a career progression where they can see it? Um, and it's it's outlined in a manner that they can understand. Right? And w- one of the things that and I know you talk, you, co- you I mean, you talk with the team, you train the team, you coach the team. Right. You help everybody yeah. to, to kind of reach their, you know, to to. to reach in and figure out what makes them tick and, and what can get them to the next level. Um, but I know that you also lean on outside uh, resources like books. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so outside resource, you've been a great friend of ours, Chad, over the years. So we've appreciated working with you. You've been a big help with our folks. You've actually, speaking of books, a couple of these, you know, you recommended. So kudos. Um, but uh with regards to the training. Okay. So that's kind of where I was going and you're leading me there. So how do we train our people, right? Uh, books come into play, right? But also, you know, there's kind of some priorities for our training. And number one, technically, right? We just need to know how to build. Two, uh, we need to know how to build relationships. Relationships are important in this business. And we need to know how to think critically, right? So the, the technical side, how to be good builders, we have a we have a Folger Pack contracting training program that's annual and we'll bring outside speakers in or we'll train in house on those so that we can lay a really solid foundation. That's important for us. We, we have to have our team has to have a solid foundation of just technical knowledge. Is this is this like a one time annual training like uh, no, we'll have six to eight trainings a year. We assign a training committee chair. It's usually a younger person within the enterprise, um, give them an opportunity to step up and show some leadership, right, uh, and grow in that way. So we'll have six to eight of those kind of technical trainings and we'll intersperse, um, you know, some, some, uh, I guess, soft skill training, we'll call it, right, depending on where we, you know, what we need for the year. Uh, The relationship piece of of our folks and how do we develop them, we really look for people to, to understand that they need to operate with integrity that matters and hopefully as we onboard people we've done a good job of flushing out folks that maybe that might be an issue Um, and for those folks that maybe get through the net we do a pretty good job of flushing them out quickly Um, but integrity matters for us because you know we need to play long-term iterative games long-term minded people that's that's our approach right real estate is a long-term game but construction is a long-term game. Uh, if you're new into the industry, you might not recognize that if you're two to three years in, but stick around and you'll find, we'll find out. That this town is a long-term, this is a long-term business. Right? No doubt. People have long memories. Um, so we train on relationships, you know, networking, right? How to communicate, how to have integrity, how to manage in, uh, uh, you, the all the people that it takes to build a project, right? Owner, architects, subs, suppliers, your own staff, you know, all that. Um, and then critical thinking. So if, if you go back to what I was saying, we need to we need teams, at least our approach is we need teams that can operate independently. Critical thinking, in my mind, was really important. 
Um, because how can we not micromanage folks if we can't trust that they don't think critically? That's right. right. Because it takes more than just following a process to get a building built. Right. Construction is very dynamic. It's one of the reasons personally I love this industry is it takes all these pieces from all these other um, disciplines and puts them into one pot. And you got to, you know, you got to be a psychologist, got to be an accountant, amateur attorney. You have to be a, an engineer, right? Architect, all these things. Uh, and the critical thinking piece is something that we we um, we push. And the way we do it is not necessarily always with formal training. We'll give folks an opportunity to read a book. It's kind of opportunity to meet you at your level of preparation. Hey, do you want to get better at what you do? Hey, I think you might want to consider thinking about this book. So what are the, there's three primary books. What do we go to? The first, Radical Candor. You shared this with me. This is an awesome book. Um, the basic concept is you need to build relationships with people and care about them so that they understand that you care so you can speak directly with them, right? That's right. Life's too short and it's a fool's errand to think that people are going to read your mind and understand what you want. So right out of the gate, if you can communicate effectively, then you're ahead of the game, right? Yep. Just solve so many problems. So great book. It's written by uh, Kim Scott. So that one. Okay. Um, so if you can communicate effectively, well, what frame, we talked about a framework before. So what's the, what, what kind of framework are we talking about? In my mind, I, I kind of see the world in pictures. It's how my brain works. It's like, it's like cartoons, right? Just pictures pop up in my head. I'm, yeah. simple, I'm a simple guy. But the, the Great Mental Models, Volume 1, published by Farnham Street. It's a guy named Shane Parrish. That, I found this to be very practical, and it translates very well. Um, it talks about things like uh, the map is not the territory, right? A schedule update doesn't represent exactly what's going on in the field. Sometimes you got to go walk the job, right? Understanding your circle of competence, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at. First principles, second order thinking, what's the effect of the effect, right? What's going to happen after you take this action? A lot of times we get short-sighted, don't think things through. All right, um, we got to kick that sub off the job. Right, right. Well, then what? Great. Right. Yeah. Super. That felt Super. good, didn't it? Right, right. And these last two I really like, Occam's Razor, a lot of people have heard about this, right? All things being considered, the most simplest explanation is the one that's likely. And this one always makes me laugh. We talked about this, Hanlon's Razor. And that's don't otherwise attribute to malice that which could be explained by stupidity, right? We all make mistakes. If, a, For example, if a subcontractor doesn't do something you, you need them to do, or somebody on your team doesn't do something you need them to do. It's not because they don't like you, generally. Odds are. It's not because they don't like you or they're out to get you. It's just people make mistakes. Yep. So the, so the mental frameworks are really important. Um, and then the last one, this sounds kind of outlandish, but it's the 33 Strategies of War by Robert Greene. Um, this really speaks to strategy. I mean, construction is not war. Sometimes it can feel like it if you're not doing it right. Um, but this book has a lot of concepts that really speak to strategic thinking. Um, and this one really resonated with me. I first read this book when I was going through a really challenging public project that was multiple years and had some lawsuits involved and it really resonated with me. But what I like about this book is it talks about leadership as well, but it starts with, you know, how, how do you operate and how do you function? Uh, Self-directed warfare is what they call it. The concepts like don't fight the last war, 
you know, what happened yesterday isn't going to happen today. And what's going to happen tomorrow isn't going to be the same as today. So you have to attack each situation, each day fresh. Um, this one really resonated with me. Amidst the turmoil of events, don't lose your presence of mind. It's easy to, for, for everybody on a project to get wrapped up and lose their presence of mind and get, get pulled back and forth by the moment, by the latest fire drill. Um, so maintaining some peace and calm in your mental environment is really important. Organizational warfare, avoiding uh, the snares of groupthink, right? A team needs a leader, right? So we have to build those leaders. Segmenting your forces. This one really resonated with me, and it speaks to how we wanted to establish our teams. What's cool about the book, it gives examples from history, um, like Patton, for example. He said, don't, don't tell a, a soldier how to do something. Tell him what you want him to do, and then let him go figure it out the best way possible, right? Uh, Napoleon's orders. What's that? That speaks to your culture of not might. Right. Napoleon, how Napoleon gave his orders to his generals. It's, it's fascinating to me, but it really applies to how we communicate in construction. And then it, it kind of changes to some team, team concepts, you know, pick your battles. You need to be effective and efficient. Uh, trading space for time is a good one. Sometimes you just need time to think to solve a problem. Right. And then uh, some long-term concepts like lose the battle, but win the war, right? You don't always, it, everything's not a plus one scenario. You don't always have to win and put somebody else down, right? You gotta think long-term. Um, overwhelming resistance with speed and subtleness, uh, suddenness, sorry. Um, that's really speaks to agility. For us here in our group, we, we get different product types, development changes their mind, the market changes, we have to adapt. Right. And we don't have specialists here. We're, we're small enough to where we have to be agile to handle any type of product type and to change course quickly. So, so that, that resonates. So what, what what I'm taking away from from all of this, Brad, is like, I mean, it's a lot of things, really. Sure. Um, uh, one of the key concepts that I want to underline for our audience is that inside your organization you are building leaders for your organization right and that's and and that's 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 something that uh you're you're not just you're not just kind of providing generalized leadership concepts but you're really providing all of this stuff in a framework to use yeah. that term of this is the world we live in. This is the business we operate in. This is the company that you um, uh, are, are contributing toward, the team that you're contributing right. toward. And so everything that you're teaching, everything that the team is learning uh, is, is specifically designed to map back to what they're doing today and tomorrow and not uh, just, you know, these big, um, lofty leadership communication concepts that are that kind of feel like nice when you know when I hear soft skills training it's one I, I always yeah, because right. it's a, it's something I do right it's I, I that's a, a large part of our business is soft skills training but when I think about soft skills it, it, when I hear that term I, I flinch because it feels to me like it's the stuff you don't really nebulous yeah. right it's the stuff it's like it's 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 the stuff you don't really need but it's nice to have. But in fact, what you're doing is you're you're uh, inside your framework of 
you know, uh, long-term uh, uh, success with your um, inside your own entity, inside the, 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 the enterprise that is Folger Pratt, uh, the other, you know, your, your subcontracting community that matters a lot to you and maintaining wow. those relationships and having a long-term vision toward those people. All these concepts tie back to stuff that you're, you're really beating the drum on every day. And yeah, because it, it nests within the hierarchy of how we operate. I do think a lot of these concepts translate, and I, and I hope people see that because I don't think they're just unique to us. But it certainly was a conscious choice to structure things this way. I think you're. I think you're right. I think. I think that there these concepts can be, and that's what that's what I think is so cool about it. These concepts can be the kind of soft skill, nebulous. Right. Lucy goosey, nice to know, not exactly sure how I'm going to use it kinds of concepts when you teach them, or you can make sure that everybody understands the reason you're teaching these things. The yeah, reason context matters, right? Exactly. Context. Yeah. And you're telling them how to use it, which I think is uh, really a, a fundamental uh, piece of creating that environment where leaders can grow is they're not just gathering a whole bunch of knowledge, but they're actually applying a whole bunch of knowledge. Yeah. And they're, de and they're developing those skills over time. One of the other things that jumps out to me through this conversation is you've been a Folger Pratt for 20, how many years, 20 years, 21, this 21 years. Yes. How many people, and, and you know, you're a, uh, you're, you're like me, you're like, the, you're the world's uh, youngest generation X kind of yeah. category. I'm the world's oldest millennial. Okay, uh, yeah, I think you. that's that right. That's where we meet, but um, somewhere in that range. Yeah. But uh, 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 how many Generation Xers have spent twenty plus years doing anything? Um, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, really, the the they, the the there's so, so many people in in your generation and mine hopscotch their yeah. way to to you know in a leadership role. You want to get to be a leader? All you do is you just hopscotch your way from company to company and do that through. You've done this for for you know 20 21 years in one organization and I think a part of why that uh, a part of why you've been so successful at, at you know in after being there whatever I've already said enough nice things about you but I think a part of your success you manage you. <laughs> I think a part of your success is the the fact that you embraced the idea that you were um learning these things for application for this business and you became the op the optimal leader for your specific company. And I think that's another key takeaway is that you shouldn't just be out there trying to gather leadership skills and ho and, and sharpen the sword, but you should be uh, looking for how you be the best leader in the environment you're in because right. to be to find yourself with the responsibilities that come with high, you know, executive level leadership. You you can't just be uh, a hodgepodge of, yeah. uh, right? You've got to be the, of the right fit for your space, for your yeah, for your space, for your ecosystem and your organization. I will add though, too, Chad. I appreciate the comments, and I just maybe it's just who I am. I don't want to take away from the fact that we have phenomenal leaders that work with me every day. Like I can't I can't attribute all of our success to me. Like, but what I, I what I learned from you, that I work with. but what I learned from you saying that, Brett, and I and I agree. By the way, I, you you do. But what I also learned from you saying that 
is um, that a part of what it takes to be the optimal Folger Pratt leader is humility. So sorry, I mean, it's just, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, there's yeah. a piece of that, but y'all, I mean, nobody builds a building or, or a team by themselves. We agree. They have good people. That's a, that's a huge component. So no, and, and thank it's, you for the compliments. I don't think at any point in time you, you have, have come across that way. And I hope I didn't you know, try to position it that way. No, but, no. Um, all right, good. Uh, I, we, we're already 36 minutes in, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we should invite the audience, sure. uh, questions at this point, bring, bring Stacy back before we do. I want to take a quick moment to, uh, thank our sponsors for the very first time, getting an opportunity to thank the morning huddles sponsors. So first uh, I want to thank, um, uh, cats, a Bosch. Oh, sorry here. Cats, a Bosch. Cats, a Bosch is a, uh, an accounting firm that has a deep specialty practice in the construction industry. It seems like every time I'm about to refer a, uh, you know, an accounting firm, they're the one that I'm going to first. And when I go to somebody and say, Hey, who's your accountant? Uh, oftentimes they'll say cats, a Bosch. So I'm like, okay, good. You're working with the right guy. Um, so, so, uh, they're, they're, they're a, a great team. If you're not working with the folks at cats, a Bosch and you're, and you're interested in learning more about, uh, accounting firms that know their stuff in the construction industry, can't say enough nice things about those guys. Next is Lawrence law. Uh, Kate Lawrence is a fan, Kate Lawrence and her team are a fantastic resource. They're a super relationship oriented law firm that partners with their clients and knows everything that's going on in their business so that they can be strategic and add value instead of just that phone call when something goes wrong. Uh, Kate is awesome and we appreciate uh, uh, her support. Uh, and, uh, and then lastly, uh, we've got uh, um, Frisco Woodline and Frisco Woodline. These are awesome people, formerly GE Frisco. These are, um, uh, they're a lumber supply company and a value added partner that uh, has the ability to not just supply lumber, but also do some fabrication, some paint work uh, and uh, you know put, put products in. It's kind of like that specialty package. They're not necessarily going after that large, uh, you know, uh, framing package. Uh, lumber order, what they're looking is to uh, be the just in time right there for you for all your custom needs, um, you know, large and small. So that's, uh, that's Frisco Woodline and we appreciate their uh, support as well. It is neat to have sponsors, Brett. This is the first time I've ever- uh, Like a, a milestone threshold right? crossed here. Yeah. That's, yeah. Thanks, man. Those are all good companies. We know many of those companies. So Yeah. Good. That's a all good right. Company. We're going to bring Stacy on. We're going to hear from the audience. Stacy, what do we got? Yeah. So you talked about um, the boss walking the job. Can you speak to that on, because <clears throat> I think there's a lot of companies, they get stuck in their little office or hole and they don't go out and actually talk to their employees and check in on them and things like mm -hmm. that. Can you speak to anything like that or sure absolutely um you check in on your employees and things like that yeah so first and foremost we look to the the team that i work with every day the couple of folks are project executives and director pre-con and our director of safety to really be the, the touch points for the teams that are reporting up to them and then at the at the field level it's the it's the project manager and lead super we look to them to be the touch points for the folks on their team so that everybody has layers of interaction within the organization. We're fortunate that given our size, I can I have the time to be able to go to every single job site at a minimum once a month for our monthly check-in. So 
that's something we do religiously. It gives me the opportunity to walk the job, to see the team, get a pulse for how the team's doing. Um, and half the time is spent going over the project. Are we on time? Are we on schedule? You know, how are our relationships with subs and the owners? Are we going to meet business plan? The other half of the time, it gives me a chance to really focus and talk to the team and to check in and make sure that um, their needs are getting that met and, and we're meeting their needs because it's important to, to meet the needs of your people because they're certainly meeting the needs of us at, at the, for the company level to, to build the building. Right. That really helps, I think, uh, develop a sense of community and team mm -hmm. amongst the various project teams. But it's important to note also companies of a different size than ours, um, that might look different, right? That works for us because of how big we are, so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Mark Jury said, how are you leading your team through and into this new elevated cost of money and elevated expectation of investor return with the increased costs of construction from material and equipment to labor and logistics. That's Mark just came up with a, the, the title for our next show. Uh, that is, such a, that is such a serious question. No, it is. It's That's the question really at the highest level everybody's is. asking, right? Where, what is the capital doing, right? Because if, if cap rates for buildings are... If there's not a spread enough of a spread between cap rates and interest rates, then that capital may not want to invest in real estate. Uh, something that may be more risky than other vehicles to invest your money. But I think for us long term, the capital that likes to play in real estate is going to stay in real estate. It's just trying to figure out what's going on with the with the interest rate environment and where the economy is going. So um, there's a massive imbalance in supply and demand for housing. Uh, and that's for both apartments and home construction. So that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So we feel we continue to feel bullish long term about multifamily in particular. That's a lot of what we build. We'll build anything, but primarily we're, we're doing multifamily. Um, but balancing the cost, it's tough. Uh, what helps us is our model. We can have conversations that maybe a third party contractor can't have with their owner um, or maybe in a more candid way. We get to peek behind the curtain a little bit to see how the sausage is made, so to speak, on the pro forma. So we, that allows us in our model to get creative on how we address risk, which really drives cost. Um, and driving and managing the cost piece of a pro forma for real estate is important because that that's the biggest, one of the biggest lever that drives returns, which is what attracts capital. So it's kind of a non-answer because I don't think anybody really has the answer, but that's, that's what we're doing about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems to me that the 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 safest places to put your money are, you know, so, so I agree with you. Like, there's 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 in in this particular moment in time, there's a lot of question about what the what the investment uh, is go, is going to look like, and is it going to be better tomorrow? Should I wait? Should I go right. ahead now? And you know, th those types of things. But at the very least. Uh, you know there are going to be some projects moving forward now. Absolutely. You know there's 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 some money that wants to get out in the market, and I think what you're trying to do is to be the safest place to put your money, uh, yeah. to, right? To be to be the place that says when you put your money here, we have right. a, just a consistent track record of bringing it, you know, in on schedule, on budget, with a quality product that's that, that's you know going to keep everybody out of litigation and get everybody the return they're looking for. Well said. 
Uh, two more questions. So to kind of piggyback off what you just said, Casey Larkin uh, said, as the market is challenging, would you joint venture in a project? We have joint venture projects um, from a construction standpoint for various reasons. Um, so the answer is yes. But each each scenario is its own scenario. It's its own case. Right. So we would do that on a case by case basis. OK. And how often do you perform team huddles to ensure quality evaluation, check-in, check-ins prior to year evaluations? What are the tools or systems you are utilizing? Okay, uh, that's another good question. So we have a pro we have process we follow, right? We have a, a a meeting every week at the team level, right? Team meeting, go over everything related to the project. This is just the project team itself. Um, so they're doing what they need to do. We check in as leadership monthly to make sure things are going as they're supposed to. But with regards to individual performance, the way we're set up is we have an annual review process and then we have a mid-year review process um, where the mid-year is a little more informal, right? Just to check in. It's it's a, But it is formalized. It's a check-in on progress and goals. But what I really try and push is this concept from this book, Radical Candor, if we're building and caring about our teams in the right way, we should be able to address very directly any performance issues that might be coming and doing it in a way that, that's beneficial for not only the employee, but the enterprise as well. So those things should be, I like to think they're happening in real time. Um, and when I, when I sit back and look objectively at our team, I think we do a pretty good job of being candid uh, and, and exhibiting that candor. And that for that to work, though, it's got to be not just top down. You got to be able to hear it coming from bottom up <clears throat> as well. Yeah, it's I was I, uh, you, you just said that. Well, I think one of the one of the things that the book gets into, but there's it, it's much more about how to deliver the message than it is uh, how to receive it. And I can I can think of uh, some messages I've heard expertly delivered in in a way that uh, you know totally met the standard of caring personally mm -hmm. and and confronting directly uh that that still somehow triggered the other person and i'll have somebody come to me and say you know like why did that go sideways i did everything right like you know what man you cannot control <laughs> no. you cannot control how the person receives the message no and there no. are some people that are just you know um uh, you know, whatever. And I, you know what? I think money complicates things. I mean, if, sure. if I'm simplifying the message, it's like money, money makes people kind of panic. So, yeah, but well, very important point. But also I think for us on that concept though, it, it's the book talks a lot about how you communicate, but for us, we need to be able to listen to that feedback coming back upstream. Um, and, and when you get that right, it's pretty powerful. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Stacy. anything else? No, I think that was a great conversation. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Stacy and Chad, thank you. You guys are great friends. Uh, it's a great way to spend the morning. So thank it you. It was. Yeah, I had I had a lot of fun. I totally lost track of time. And, and you know, we've been grabbing books all morning. And I got to grab this one. This is a this is a book that I've uh, begun reading. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> fishing stories uh, that, that Brett sent me. And he was like, you're going to love this. Uh, Brett and I share a love of fishing and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, that, those are the two things that we. Uh, Other than that, no, I can't stand the guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. More than those two things, Chad.
yeah. Hey, man, um, you, you you don't change, buddy. You Likewise. never change. Never Thank change. you. It's it, This was really fun. Thanks, guys. It, it was awesome having you on. Thanks, Brett. Let's uh, let's uh, do some cleanup, Stacy, and uh, and we'll and we'll call it a day. So next week, uh, same time, 9 a.m. Tuesday, we've got Michael Wagner joining us to talk about what happens when projects go off the rails. I yeah, how are you not here for this one? <laughs> I am going to be, I know it's like, it's a, it's a love, it's a, it's a topic I love too. I am going to be on vacation and I'm going to be in the mountains and there's going to be no cell service and uh, no Wi-Fi, And I am not going to be running the show. I'm going to be handing the reins to my highly capable and highly nervous uh, colleague, <laughs> um, uh, Matt Verderamo, who is awesome. And uh, if you're not following Matt on LinkedIn, you need to. He's got brilliant stuff that he posts literally every day. I've never met somebody more committed to contributing uh, content to the construction industry. Uh, Matt has been a part of the well-built construction consulting team since uh, August 1st. And, uh, and we really actually got to know each other through LinkedIn. So, um, so there's something there. And, and I, I look forward to uh, hearing how it goes, I won't be even watching or listening live. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm truly just uh, uh, trusting in, uh, in, in Matt and Stacy to run an awesome show, and I know they will. Uh, so that'll be a great conversation next week. Uh, as always, please email us to be added to our weekly uh, mailing list so that you don't miss out on the live stuff. And if you do happen to miss a live session uh, or live show, that is, you can uh, quickly gather the information on it and watch it and catch up. Obviously, do it through Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or just right on LinkedIn. Uh, however, you like to, uh, you know, keep caught up on podcast-like material. Yeah. Stacy, I'm out of breath. I think I'm out of things to say. What is there? Anything else on your mind before we wrap? Nope, nothing else on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> just focusing on getting better and looking forward to next week and to meet Matt. I got to meet Matt before the show. That's Never why that would be like, let's, let's have a surprise. I guess we could. Yeah. No, it'll be fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys will get caught up a little bit before the show. We will. All right. Thanks All right. so much. See you guys. See ya.